Hey guys, this is Emily. Um, you may notice in this episode that we've stopped bleeping the swear words. I just wanted to give you guys a heads up so you're not, like, scandalized when you get into it. Alright, enjoy! Hello, and welcome to Afternoonified. The podcast that continues to deliver your bi-weekly dose of Are You Kidding Me? I'm Ryan. And I'm Emily. We have exercised the demons. This podcast is clear. Um, if you haven't seen Ace Ventura or even just seen Poltergeist, I sound like a crazy person right then. <laughs> um, but it was on topic. Super on topic, because this week we are going to be talking about cursed films. <laughs> I'm really, really, really excited about this episode. I am too. And we are also really jacked up on energy drinks today, so you'll have to let us know... We're trying something new! Yay! I'm pretty sure my spine is vibrating right now. Too much caffeine! <laughs> Disclaimer before we start the episode, there are going to be spoilers for the movie that we're talking movies that we're talking about, but like all of them have been out for at least 30 years, so that shit is super on you. You've had time. Uh, also, there's going to be talk of death and murder because that's what we're all about here at Afternoonified. Exactly. If you haven't accepted that, it's pretty much a theme in almost all of our podcasts, and you... Yeah, that's just what we do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, this is about cursed films, and by cursed films we mean films that have deaths curses. and- Shut up. <laughs> that have curses attached to them, like deaths, strange occurrences on set, um- We're not talking about the curse in the film, we're talking about the curse actually, surrounding that, the filming. That's what I wanted this episode to be about, because I watched the movie playback and Sinister a little bit too much, and I was like, well, fuck, that's gotta be a real thing. It's not. It's not a real thing. Mm. Uh, sort of. We'll get to we'll get to that. But we have some experience with cursed film sets. We do. Sort so, of. If you guys haven't heard, Emily is also a director and filmmaker, and that is actually how we met. She hired me as an actress on one of her horror movie sets. Yeah, it's true. It was my senior film. Uh, we did... A horror short about a haunted house that we shot inside a real haunted house in Portland. And Ryan has maybe one of the best stories. Scared the ever-living shit out of me. So basically, let me set the scene a little for you. Uh, I am up at the top of the stairs, and when they say action, I'm supposed to run down the stairs. I'm supposed to be terrified and yelling at my boyfriend because I think it's him trying to scare me. So uh, I was up at the top of the stairs waiting to hear action, and behind me there was this little table with some trinkets and some picture frames on it, and I heard a little small crashing sound, and I turn around, and one of the picture frames and one of the figurines had fallen over, but what is interesting is I felt no draft. I I wasn't close enough to the table to have, like, bumped it or touched it. It was the middle of August. It was, yeah, it was hot, it was stagnant, nothing was moving, it was really still. I was being silent and holding really still, so I didn't interrupt, like, your guys' sound footage or anything. Um, and they fell, and what's weird is they fell opposite directions. So, like, the frame fell, like, one way, and the figurine fell the other way. So, so they, like, like, crossed paths. Yeah, so it doesn't even make sense, because if it was a draft or if I bumped it, they would have probably fallen in the same direction. Yeah, um, you were super freaked out when you got <laughs> Yeah, no, that was probably my best take, because I ran down and I was actually, like, terrified. Um, in the original cut of that film, I am actually in that scene. Oh. Because no one saw me, like, no one told me to move from where I was standing, so uh-huh. we were looking at the footage when we were going through the editing process, and I was just standing there in the fucking doorway behind Sean. That's terrifying. <laughs> it is. So I had to blow the footage up a little bit to cut myself out. Oh, I didn't know you had to do that. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, uh, that was a freaky set. Well, and there was that room where we did the final scene. You guys need to watch this. It's on my website, by the way. It's called Goodwin House. This is a total, like, shameless self-promotion thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it we won were... an award. You are allowed to self-promote. <laughs> we were in the back room where we did the last scene, um, the sound lady and I, when we were doing pickup shoots, and apparently that was a room where someone OD'd and died. Like, there are a lot of deaths attributed in this house because it's, like, an old Victorian house. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting there. I don't think the sound was rolling. I don't know. I wasn't sitting with sound, but I was sitting with Sean, the other actor. Yeah. And we just look at each other and like, did you hear someone whistling? And Sean was like, yeah. And so we we checked and made sure that like the camera guy and the sound people out in the hallway weren't making any noise and they weren't. Um, And then we went downstairs to see if the owner of the house, because there are like the vents that run through the floor. Yeah. So we made sure that the owner of the house wasn't down there. 
And he wasn't even in the house. No, no one was. We were all out back eating your. No, no, this is later. Oh. This is later. This was when we went to go do pickups. Oh. Like several months later. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I made the sound lady sit in the room when we were setting up a shot and just record. I still haven't listened to it. And that was like two years ago. Like, I'm super freaked out by it. We should listen to it together. Yeah. So the point is that house was haunted. We have some experience with haunted film sets. Um, Sort of. So this uh, whole episode is going to be very close to home for It us. is. Um, well, plus I was a film major, so and I love horror movies. I don't know if anyone knows that about me. Which, I guess it strikes some people as weird because I'm literally afraid of everything. Yeah, yeah, Emily's a weenie. I'm not... I Everything weenie. I'm afraid of, weenie. I have very specific reasons for. The dark, you don't know what the fuck is out there. Weenie! Small spaces, my sister zipped me in a suitcase when I was like six. You know, everyone's had traumatizing experiences. Get over it. Large spaces, you don't know what the fuck could happen in a cornfield. Yeah, anything can happen anywhere. And commitment, you know. Okay, that's valid. (laughs) (laughs) So, let's fucking get into it. We've been talking already for like five minutes. Why don't we start with... What is Rosemary's Baby is the one that you want to Yeah, I think that's a good, that? a good opener. We'll, okay. we'll take it easy on you guys. Although, let me be clear, none of these are, you know, oh, one little thing happened. Like, they're all pretty serious. I have three pages of notes. Yeah, I have I have two, um, but I... It's because I, I took the most interesting ones when I assigned yeah. stuff. It doesn't mean that mine weren't, though. Like, no. Rosemary's Baby was amazing. It's still crazy, crazy okay. shit. Yeah, so Rosemary's Baby, if any of you have not seen or heard of it, which is unbelievable because this movie is like I was literally forced to watch it in film school. Yeah, no, it's a classic. So watch it. Uh, Rosemary's Baby was a movie made in 1968 by Roman Polanski, and it stars Mia Farrow, who is beautiful and amazing. She's such a cutie. I love her. Uh, she plays a pregnant lady who ends up mixed up with a cult, and it turns out that the baby is the son of Satan, thanks to her new double-worshipping buddies. Although her, they're not really like... her. Her next door neighbors, who yeah. are like super creepy old people. Yeah. That's the thing that got me about that movie is that the the old people in it are so fucking creepy. Mm-hmm. I don't trust old people. Nobody does. I I'm not gonna go off on a tangent today, but later at some point I'm gonna tell you something interesting about old people being creepy. Remind me of that. It's not a good tangent for this though. It's completely unrelated. Well, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, back on track. So the film's composer who has a crazy name. I'm going to go with Kurzestaf Komeda, or Komeda. Could not be really right. sure how you pronounce it. Died of a brain clot one year after making the film, and that it also happens to be the same way that a character in the movie dies. So, kind of interesting. Someone in the movie dies of a brain clot. Sorry, it's been like a year since I've seen it. Yeah, it's been a while. Um. <laughs> but apparently someone in the film, you know, dies of a brain clot. So does he. What's interesting, though, is that the producer, William Castle, later became deathly ill because he suffered from uremic poisoning. And that happened after the film was made, but he swore that it was the movie that cursed him because, uh, I guess, during his treatment, he cried out, Rosemary, for God's sake, drop that knife. Like, during his treatment, a year after the movie was made, he was, like, still yelling about Rosemary and claimed that it was the movie that did it to him. I'm inclined to say that he's nuts, but... Yeah, yeah, he was had uremic poisoning, so what, I think maybe... What is that? Do, do you not... I'm not, well, I'm not totally sure about uremic poisoning. Okay. This one is weird. Roman Polanski's wife, Sharon Tate, was uh, the victim in a mass murder that you guys have all probably heard about. Uh, was killed by the Charles Manson cult. So Sharon Tate, along with four other people, were slain very that ritualistically. Was, that was the big Manson family killing. Like, that is the yeah. thing that everybody latched onto with the Mansons. Yeah, no, exactly. It's crazy. Yeah, it happened to the director's wife. Sharon Tate was the one killed, and it happened at their Benedict Canyon home in Los Angeles, um, which is really interesting since it was sort of a ritualistic murder, which kind of relates back to the film in a lot of ways if because I, it's if i remember correctly that murder kind of started the whole satanic panic thing that took over during the 70s and the 80s where everyone was just like terrified that their neighbor was like worshiping the devil mm-hmm. no i totally think so i mean that makes a lot of, yeah. makes a lot of sense but anyway charles manson's cult stabbed sharon tate who was pregnant at the time and four other people over a hundred times before leaving the house uh one of the cult members had taken a piece of cloth that was soaked in uh, Sharon Tate's blood and wrote the word pig on the front door. 
that word uh, accompanied some other lyrics from Beatles songs, actually, and they were written in Blood Around the House. Uh, so a little background on that in case any of you guys don't know. The Manson family nicknamed their murder spree Helter Skelter after the Beatles song. Just ruining a perfectly good song. Yeah. So basically Manson thought that the Beatles White Album was speaking directly to him and he took things very murderously. Uh, clearly. Yeah. Clearly. So a lot of the stuff that you see surrounding their murder spree uh, is themed after Beatles lyrics or they wrote Beatles lyrics. And people use that murder as like a cover up for their own murder. There was a doctor. Fuck. I don't remember exactly when it was. But he murdered his wife and his child and then tried to make it look like a Manson-esque yeah. murder. Like, he even wrote, like, yeah. Pig on yeah. the, the headboard. Yeah. yeah, just to cover their own shit. It's mm-hmm. it's crazy. Um, By the way, I looked up that thing and he basically, his kidneys just shut down. Yeah, I was going to say, well, the U-R at the beginning is a prefix meaning urine. Yeah. So it has to be this. Yeah. Yeah, urinary system. So, yeah, okay. Now we learned. Now we learned. Um, So the Manson, the Charles Manson cult killed Sharon Tate. But what's weird, this I thought was super crazy, was that John Lennon, who was obviously a member of the Beatles. Yes, he was. Was killed outside of a hotel named the Dakota. This is the same hotel that they filmed Rosemary ba- Rosemary's Baby in. Like her apartment was in the Dakota Hotel. That was what her apartment was. And then she was killed by a cult that worshipped basically the Beatles, and the Beatles member was killed outside of that very Insane. same hotel. Insane. Super weird. So that's that's kind of the bulk of I think Rosemary's Baby's like weirdest bits. Um, I don't know if you talk about Roman Polanski at any point. Uh, I wasn't gonna, or but if you'd sh- like to talk about I, the human I pro- trash fire, that is- I did promise you that I would not go on a huge rant. Um, Roman Polanski, the director. Who is a trash fire of a human being and not in a good way. It was accused of child molestation, if I'm not. I think that's what, agreed, yeah. what we'd um, say. We and didn't see it, I mean. No, <laughs> did not see it. Was read not it, a witness. Read, read. Read about it. And he kind of took off for Europe and he's hiding out in like Switzerland right now and they won't extradite him. Um, so he's a trash fire of a human being. And then Mia Farrow married Woody Allen, who is the biggest garbage can of a human. You know, I'm just yeah. putting that out there. Just many bad vibes surrounding so, yeah. Rosemary's baby. Yeah. Okay, so that is Rosemary's baby. It is. Indeed it is. Sorry, that's your catchphrase. I know, I say indeed too And much. And also, what's interesting, which it is, it's always interesting. <sighs> I know, I have catchphrases, I'm sorry. So, our next movie up is Poltergeist. Um, great film. Great, great, great film. Pioneered the use of Jello as blood. Did they really? I don't know what they exactly use, but everyone always makes fun of it because the blood in it the was bathtub really looks like Jello. There was no blood in the bathtub. No, it was like when they're rinsing her off. Oh, yeah, no, that was Jell-O. it. Was supposed to be like a weird gelatinous material. No, but I think it's not blood. Yeah. It's I think it came across like it was supposed to be blood, but just really badly done it was blood. Purple, like yes. it was this lavender colored. Yeah, everyone was like, "That's the worst blood I've ever it's seen." It's not blood. Okay, just so we're all clear, it's not blood. It's supposed to be like ectoplasm, like in Ghostbusters. Only it's supposed to be pre. Green. It's pre Ghostbusters. <laughs> fucking pre Ghostbusters. Um, I don't know if you guys can hear that siren in the background. Yeah. Eh. All right. So Poltergeist was made in 1982. Starring Craig T. Nelson, Joe Beth Williams, Heather O'Rourke, Dominique Dunn, and Oliver Robbins as the fam- like a family. It was directed by Toby Hooper of Texas Chainsaw Massacre fame. But Steven Spielberg was the producer. He wrote it. He came up with the story. He basically called all the shots. As a matter of fact, there was some debate over whether or not he should get a co-directing credit for it. Mm. But it's about a family who experiences some shit in their house, <laughs> including their daughter Carol Ann being sucked into another dimension. Uh, because they live in a community that has been built on a Native American burial ground. Always smart decision. Uh, <laughs> there's a clown doll in there. Someone tears their face off. And there's a tiny clairvoyant with the best voice ever. She's my favorite. She is who I was quoting. Well, actually, I was quoting Ace Ventura in the intro. but Which is a quote from which is Poltergeist. Which is a quote from Poltergeist. Well, the second half that we have exercised the demons thing was just Jim Carrey. Bless his heart. <laughs> No, he's fucking crazy. Yeah, fucking great. 
Yeah, so, Poltergeist. I thought this curse was a little bit lame on the surface because no one talks about it as much as they do other ones. Or they do, but they focus on, like, two parts of it. So it's like, well, that's just whatever. But a lot of people died during the course of this movie and the sequel. The one that um, people talk about the most is Dominique Dunn Mm -hmm. being murdered. She played Dana, the older sister. Uh She was murdered by her dickhead of an abusive boyfriend when she was 22. She was at home rehearsing for a new project with another actor named David Packer. Um, After arguing with her boyfriend, whose name is, in my notes, uh, Thomas Sweeney, uh, she argued with him through the door and then finally agreed to talk with him on the porch. And so they went out and they did that. And Packer said that he heard, um, like, noises, like, slapping noises almost. So he called the cops, who apparently told him that her house was not in their jurisdiction. I fucking know. What? I know. Like, then whose jurisdiction was it in? Someone needs to respond. Right? Um, so he freaked out a little bit and... The commotion continued. Packer freaked out a little bit. He called a friend and was like, if I turn up dead, it was Thomas Packer, not Thomas Packer, Thomas Sweeney that did it. And then he went outside to, like, do something. And he found uh, Thomas Sweeney leaning over Dominique Dunn, who's, like, they were in the bushes. And he told Packer to call the police, which he had fucking done. I'm just pointing that out. But the police did show up. And when they did... Uh, Sweeney walked down the driveway to meet them and was like, I killed my girlfriend and I tried to kill myself. She was still alive. She got taken to the hospital and she was declared brain dead. And four days later, just before her 23rd birthday, her parents took her off life support. Oh my God. And uh, this bag of dicks, Thomas Sweeney, uh, served two and a half years. That's it? Two and a half. You've got to be kidding me. No, then he got out and he moved to the Pacific Northwest. That's where we fucking live. Fuck you, Thomas Sweeney, if you're listening. Change, Fuck you. Change his name. I don't remember what to. Just horrible human being. Like, he got to continue on with his life, and this, like, 22-year-old girl died. That's, that's insane. Yeah. He abused her before that, too. Like, she was set to film a guest-starring role on a TV show where she played an abused teenager, and they didn't have to put makeup on her. Oh, my God. The bruises were real. It gets more interesting after that point. Uh, Dominique's father, Dominic... Uh, Dominic Dunn. Yeah, I know. <laughs> really creative. <laughs> Original man. Uh, he was an investigative journalist who wrote about a lot of different cases, including the O.J. Simpson trial. Mm-hmm. And in 1993, he released a short story called Seasons in Purgatory, which very closely resembled the murder of a 15-year-old girl named Martha Moxley in like the mid-70s. Mm-hmm. And the outcome of the story actually came pretty close to the actual outcome of the murder investigation, which wasn't resolved until 2002. And there's a lot of debate surrounding who, like, might have actually killed that girl, but, yeah. like, it's a pretty obvious answer, but people keep coming forward with different theories, uh-huh. including Kobe Bryant's cousin, who says that he had friends that did it, but I doubt it. Yeah. Um, this is not an episode about that, so yeah. I'm just gonna, yeah, Digression. if you look up Martha Moxley, you'll find it out. Mm-hmm. It's pretty, it's pretty interesting. So that's the first death that people usually associate with Poltergeist. Um, the second is Heather O'Rourke, who plays Carol Ann, the little girl. You know, the, we're there, yeah. here, that girl. Yeah. Super fucking cute. Yeah. She was murdered too, though, right? No. No? I actually, we'll get into why people think she was murdered. Huh. She died in 1988 at the age of 12. She managed to make it through all three of the sequels to this. Huh. Um, after complications from the flu teamed up with a bowel obstruction, caused cardiac arrest and septic shock. Oh, so poop infection. Yeah. Fecalitz. I learned about that in my anatomy class. If you have poop that gets backed up too long, it gets really solid, and they call it fecalitz. It literally means poop stone. (laughs) Caroline died of poop stone. I saw that. There were rumors that she hadn't finished work on Poltergeist 3 at the time, that a body double was used, but her family, like, super denies this. Mm. The the reason, like, you may have thought she was murdered Mm -hmm. was that this happened to me, too. There was another little girl named Judith Barcy who was a child actor. Mm-hmm. She was the voice of Ducky in Land Before Time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, she was murdered in 1988. Oh! Yes. Her alcoholic father shot Judith and her mother in the head when they were asleep. 
and then walked around his house for like two days, talked to her agent, said that he was going to be leaving and like he needed to say goodbye to his little girl and then poured gasoline on their bodies, lit them on fire, went in the uh, garage and shot himself in the head. Oh my God. So that was another small cute girl who died in 1988. So that's kind of where I get confused at least. Yeah. Okay. I can totally see that. Yes. Not the same person. No. Okay. Those are the two, like, big ones that people remember because they are the two stars. But there are two stars of Poltergeist 2. Julian Beck, who played Kane, who was an evil spirit. And then Will Sampson, uh, who played Taylor, a good spirit. Um, he was also the Native American from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Julian Beck died of stomach cancer complications after, uh, no, stomach cancer, which had been going on for a while. So, like, mm. no one was really surprised about it. Yeah. And then Will Sampson died of complications after a lung transplant. He was in pretty bad shape before that, so no one was really surprised about that. But they did die. Yeah. Burying a lead. <laughs> Lou Perryman, who plays Pugsley, I believe he's one of the investigators, uh, was axe-murdered. Oh, my God. In 2009. Oh. Axe-murdered. Axe yeah. But that was long enough after that I think almost you can't or really necessarily relate. Or the curse it. was biding its time. Maybe. Could be. Could be unrelated. Let us know your thoughts, everybody. Yeah. So Seth Christopher Tatum, who had recently been released from prison after an aggravated robbery conviction, went off his meds, started drinking, murdered Perryman with an axe in order to get his car, I assume to go on the run, after he assaulted his mother's ex-boyfriend with garden shears and an iron fireplace poker. Ooh. So, I don't know if curses have time loads, but that did happen. And uh, a little icing on the cake. Rumor has it that the skeletons that they used in the film were actual human skeletons. I've seen a lot of stuff saying that that was the case. Yes, because it is way cheaper, in the 80s at least, I don't know about now, um, to acquire a real skeleton as opposed to fabricate a new one. Yeah. Well, um, now with 3D printing and all of the, like, molds and it's so easy yeah, to make anything yeah. now. Um, I literally have a pair of, like, arms hanging around my apartment. Like, yeah. Not real ones. She needs fake ones. Fake ones. Blur the line there a little. I know. I They keep showing up in my Snapchat. Like, I'll take a picture of, like, what I'm watching on TV mm-hmm. or I'll do those stupid videos. <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah. Yeah. Hi. And I, I refused to explain them, but they were a prop for a film that I worked on. So now you guys know. Why there are arms in a lot of her pictures. Yeah, I just don't have anywhere else to put them. All right, by the TV works. Well, yeah. So, real skeletons, and there were a lot of skeletons in there. Oh, yeah. And do you remember when we were talking about people not moving the actual graves when they moved the headstones? Mm-hmm. Um, in the film, not in real life. Yeah. That was, like, the big climax. Like, Craig T. Nelson's character was like, he didn't move the bodies? Yeah. They left the bodies there. Yeah, so in case you guys don't know what we're talking about, um, in our Graveyard Lore episode, you guys should go listen to that. If you haven't already, we do talk a little bit about the idea of, like, burial grounds and them staying while new development goes over yeah. the top. So, so don't, about it. don't build your housing developments over Native American burial grounds. And if you have or any to, burial grounds, okay, or anybody. Any, anybody, but specifically because... Don't put bodies under your buildings. Yes, and if you do want to build there, move the actual bodies. Yeah. Just something to think about. Dig down six feet. That's all I'm saying. Just move Scoop them somewhere out. nice. Yeah. That's how people get in trouble. Oh, yeah. So there's a lesson to be learned there. Yes. Because that's the whole big thing. Like, oh, it must be built over a burial ground. Like, maybe, maybe check first. Yeah, maybe don't do that. And also the moral of the story is you don't need a pool. No, no, you don't. Their crap didn't start until they started digging that pool. Yeah. Was it really worth it? Was it? No, because they got... The house collapsed in on itself at the end yeah. of the movie. Yeah. I need to watch Poltergeist 2. See what happens afterwards. Yeah. And 3. Okay. I'm a little iffy on 3. The third movie in a series is always a little crappy. Yeah. Unless it's like... Shrek. Oh, no, it's good. Yeah. That's what I'm it's saying. Good. Harry Potter 2. Yeah. I mean, but those were like meant to have sequels. Yeah. I'm talking like... When you start with one and then you just build on. You can't keep tacking it on to the end. Yeah, like... Die Hard or something. Yeah. Or, like, Final Destination, because it's in the... Oh, no, 18. Yeah, it's not the Final Destination anymore. No. So the next destination. <laughs> That's Poltergeist. That is Poltergeist. Next up, we're going to talk about The Omen. Yeah! Ooh, 
So The Omen, there are two versions. Some of you might have seen one and not seen the other. So there is the 1976 original Omen and the 2006 remake of it. And the curse does sort of surround both, but I think... Considering it's a you know curse, I think it started with the original and well, it's been sticking sense. with it. Yeah, this is why I don't make movies about demons. No, just period. Don't make movies about demons. No, and if you do, don't make sequels. Anyway, The Omen, nineteen seventy six and two thousand six, is a movie starring Gregory Peck, Lee Remick, and Harvey Stevens as their son, the Antichrist, Damien. <sighs> Fuck that kid. Yeah. Uh, essentially, the story goes that the weird mysteries began occurring surrounding an American ambassador. So that really weird. Ambassador. (laughs) Ambassador, uh, which included weird deaths and injuries. This is in the movie. Their son, Damien, turns out to be the Antichrist or literal son of the devil, much like Rosemary's baby. Yeah, this one's a little less direct, though. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Because I think in that movie, they took the original kid that this ambassador's wife had and then they swapped it out with the Antichrist. Yeah, I don't know. So, like, they already had it on deck. It didn't have to be. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't like his... Yeah, anyway. As if that isn't creepy enough for a movie plot, it turns out that the set of The Omen was about to be haunted as well. Uh, Additionally, the remake of the movie in 2006, 30 years later, was actually released on June 6th, 2006, or The Day of the Beast. They did that on purpose. Oh, exactly. Because they clearly weren't perturbed by the haunting or the potential haunting that occurred on the set of the original. They clearly didn't good, care. Good use of the word perturbed. I like the word perturbed. Perturbed. <laughs> I like it because it rhymes with turd, let's be honest. <laughs> uh, in fact, there is a curse that is literally called the Curse of the Omen that is specifically related to the strange events that happened around the time of the filming. So it's actually referred it's to as like... a title. Yeah, but you know, basically I think that's keeping anyone from doing a third remake. Uh, didn't they? No, they did. Did they? they? No. Okay, so it's not a remake. It's a TV show. That's about right. Damien. That's right. At like when he was a grown ass man. Um, it wasn't still called The Omen. They changed the name. It was, it was called Damien. Damien. Okay, um, I yeah. saw the first episode. It's good. It's good. Uh, a lot of people said it was shitty, but uh, I what is not shitty? Can we believe that? It's I I don't know if it got renewed or not, but Brad, not sure. Bradley James is worth it alone. Like he's oh, yeah. he's a babe. Oh yeah. Anyway, for example, uh, the curse actually starts two months before filming even begins. So Gregory Peck had already been cast. He played the father in the film. What a, also a babe. He was. His son, two months before filming began, his son shot himself in the head. Oh, shit. Yeah. And as if that wasn't traumatic enough, Gregory Peck also happened to cancel a flight for some reason around the time that he was supposed to be going to do the filming. And it turns out that plane that he was supposed to be on crashed and everyone on board died. So Gregory Peck was supposed to be on that flight, but he canceled last minute and it saved his life. So he almost died in a plane crash. Divine inter- like intervention. Yeah. So there was, you know, the curse of a son dying, but then I guess there's some intervention in there and then the curse comes back. So apparently this curse is a thing for airplanes. Well, you gotta reel them in and let them go a little and then reel them back in. Yeah. It's, it's double painful when you give them a little good. You yeah. Know. Give them some slack and then take it back. Yeah. So this, the demon that is holding reign over the Omen franchise seems to have a thing about airplanes because, weirdly enough, David Seltzer, who was the movie scriptwriter, had his plane be struck by lightning, although everyone was okay, but his plane got struck by lightning, which actually happens more often than people think. But that's like a... Well, when did that movie come out? Like... 76. 76? Like, that. Oh, that's... Back, a back then, planes were a little, you know, it got I shaky. Know, I know. I wouldn't imagine that they'd make it like no. if it's a, a no, sun it actually plane. it actually happens a lot because they're not on the ground so i think the electricity kind of hits the plane and like rolls off because there's nowhere for it to go you know wow now i'm scared of planes nothing really happens they just, the they just get shaky they get really like turbulent when they get hit by lightning because uh more more plane lightning uh Turns out the executive producer, Mace Newfield, had his plane also get struck by lightning, and he had described it as being, like, the scariest plane ride of his life, and, like, the plane got really turbulent and shaky, they said he was frightened, but everyone lived. <laughs> this is a name that I'm not sure how to pronounce, but I think it's pronounced Pete Possilthwaite? Yeah. Possilthwaite? That sounds about right. I've never yeah. had to pronounce it. <laughs> My sister just sent me a big graphic of the word moist. Ew. I know! That's what she- did it. So Pete Poss- sorry. Pete Postlethwaite, who played Father Brennan in the remake of the movie, the 2006 version, yes. had his... Had. It makes it sound like it was intentional. His brother died 
uh, mysteriously after drawing three sixes during a card game. Although there's not a lot of information on that, and it's just, you know... It's more of a rumor than it is a fact. Yeah, but it was said that he drew three sixes and, like, died that day. Did you Wikipedia it? Because I think it might clear some stuff up. It's just... (laughs) That one I decided to include because it is interesting that it had the 666 because that is a really big recurring theme as we're going to see. I just said, though, it's not cool that his brother died. No. It's it's nifty. It's a fun fact. It, It is. Um, it's a really depressing fun fact. Oh, yeah. It is a fun fact. So it turns out the bad luck, as we're seeing, followed the remake as well. Apparently the scene where Robert Thorne reveals that creepy-ass birthmark that Ugh. the kid has. Yeah. Uh, that took an entire day to film the scene where he reveals the birthmark. That's like Why? Three, three shots tops. Why, I don't know. But it took him an entire day. And they sent the film to the processing lab. And the processing lab somehow managed to destroy... 13,500 feet of footage. That is an insane amount of footage. Uh, My insides are crying right now. That is so much footage. Yeah. David Seltzer, the movie scriptwriter, as... No, no, no. It wasn't David Seltzer. It was uh, director John Moore said, The worst lab and the worst collective crew ever heard of could only lose a roll of film, which is about 400 feet. And That's like said, almost an entire goddamn movie. Yeah. No, they managed to lose an insane amount of footage. I don't think it was all their footage. Like, it was all Omen footage, but it was mostly Omen footage that, that was lost. It, oh, that hurts me. 13,000 feet got lost. So much. Yeah. You said that the lab guys were in tears and they didn't know how it got destroyed, That's but it all was destroyed. so expensive, too. I know. That's insane. This is the creepiest one. This one's my favorite. <laughs> so the set designer, John Richardson, uh, he was the set designer of the original film. Yes. He, at some point, had to do a scene where someone gets decapitated from an automobile accident. It's one of my favorite scenes. It's a crazy scene. Well, guess what? August of 76, which is the same year the movie came out. Yes. Him and his assistant, Liz Moore, were in a car crash in Holland, and both of them died. But Liz Moore was cut in half, really similar to the way that Richardson designed in the movie. So it wasn't just decapitation, she was cut in half, but it was... (sighs) It, the circumstances were creepily similar. But yeah, that's... Even if it wasn't a decapitation, it, that's still so close. It is. And then this is the this is the best part. Um, it happened on a Friday the 13th. Oh, Christ. And where it happened, they were really close to a roadside. A road, road sign that said... Listed a city name. And the city name was Omen. O-M-M-E-N. Which is just one letter off from Omen. And then guess how far away it was? 666 no. miles? 66.6 kilometers. So it literally said Almond 66.6 kilometers on a Friday the 13th. God Cut in half the same it. way that the person that he designed in the film. I, I am a little, like, I believe in a lot of stuff, but curses like this, I'm, I'm a little, like, iffy. Like, it's a lot of coincidence, but holy shit. After a certain point, like, how much coincidence can happen? After a certain that, point. That kind of, that's over the threshold, right? That's what I'm saying. That is so insane. weird. So I saved best for last. So that is... That's the Omen? That's so far what has happened on the Omen. So if we get another remake, who knows? Um, speaking of remakes, I forgot to mention during the Poltergeist segment that uh, there's a Poltergeist remake starring Sam Rockwell. Just hot men all over these movies. Yeah, I don't want him to get... Oh, he's fine. He's fine. For now. He better stay fine. <laughs> he's gonna stay fine. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, Jared Harris is also in it. He plays the role that the little lady in the original played, which I found weird. But oh, that is weird. It is. Because he's like a tall, red-headed man, and she was a tiny, like, tiny. southern lady. She's, she's like four, four feet tall. Four three, I think four, three. saw. Yeah. Um, anyway, so during the remake, they shot some scenes in this big open field, and none of their locked electronics would work in that field oh, weird. nothing hmm. right yeah magnetic field yeah so i guess it does spill over to remake sometimes thankfully they have not remade our next film i'm so excited Woo-hoo! um I don't, i'm so excited for this one i spent like two hours in a starbucks researching in full view of the baristas who probably don't want me to come in there again Ever. Ever. Not after they saw your screen. Not after they saw what was on my screen and, like, typing furiously. Like, I was straight up. Oh, yeah. It's The Exorcist. Dun, dun, dun. Right? Ah, this is one of my favorite movies. Um, I don't know how anyone doesn't like this movie. It's amazing. Actually, someone told me they didn't like this movie and I stopped talking to them for a while. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I got really mad about it. Yeah. 
I'm sorry. You want to ruin your friendship with Emily? Tell her that you don't like The Exorcist. I, I think I think I'm chill with with that person now. It takes it took time. He's gonna get cupcakes to make up for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not that he deserves them. So The Exorcist was made in. I should know this. Notes. It was made in 1973. It stars Ellen Burstyn, Linda Blair, Jason Miller, and Max von Sydow. Three out of four of those people are still alive. Except Linda Blair's career. Oh. I'm sorry. No, she's she's like rescuing dogs and stuff now. Yeah. I, I love Linda Blair. I'm but, sorry, Linda. That was mean. Um, Ellen Burstyn is a sassy old lady now. That's the best kind she's of old great. lady. She's great. It was uh, the movie was directed by William Friedkin, I believe is how you pronounce that. And basically, the plot is that a little girl, Reagan, uh, played by Linda Blair, uh, dicks around with a Ouija board, which you should never do. No. And a demon named Pazuzu gets all up in her shit, terrorizes her and her mother until a priest agrees to step in. Um, priest has his own big plotline. Uh, the power of Christ compels some people. Other people don't learn to stay away from fucking stairs. There's a lot of things that can ruin your life if you see it too young. Uh, and there's some pea soup. Lots of pea soup. Lots of pea soup. It's spinning. Um, this is not part of the curse, but in the scene where the priest gets sprayed in the face with the pea soup, yeah. uh, he did not know that was going to happen. Oh, no. Uh, that Jason Miller's reaction there is genuine. Oh, good to know. I need to watch it again and watch this for that scene. I watched it this last weekend. The big thing with this is that people say that there's a demon living in the celluloid of the original film. Hmm. Right. Uh, as much as I wish they were true, there's, like, no evidence to back that up. You would think. Actually, I, I wrote that note before I got too deep into this, and I might be changing my opinion on it. Um, Billy Graham, who is an evangelist, uh, he believed that the demon lived in there. And many speculate that a result, as a result of the film, Billy Graham converted to Satanism and that he became an active member of the Illuminati. Fuck the Illuminati. I'm so sick of them. <laughs> uh, so there's nothing to confirm that, but that is just great. Yeah. Uh, he said at one point, there's a power of evil in the film, in the fabric of the film itself. Hmm. By that he meant celluloid. Yeah. Uh, during the Roman premiere of the film, audiences had to fight their way through a torrential downpour accompanied by thunder and lightning in order to get to the theater. That is dedication. That is also uh, an omen to maybe not go. Yeah. Bad um, juju. Many people inside claimed to hear a horrific, almost demonic cry coming from outside once the film had started rolling. This is in Rome, too. Like, that's that's a big center for this kind of thing. Yeah. Well, it. I mean, it talked a lot. I mean, it... Catholicism's kind that's of the that's a that's everything. HQ. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Catholic HQ. Yeah. At one showing, a woman was so frightened she passed out in the theater and broke her jaw when she fell. And she later sued the filmmakers, suggesting that the subliminal messages caused the accident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Warner Brothers settled out of court. Um, <laughs> subliminal images are a huge thing with this. Like some tight ass dedicated a whole chapter of his dumb book to talking about it. I don't have the title of the book. I just got really annoyed when I read about that. Uh-huh. But. There are admittedly some subliminal things in there, like they will have the face of a demon flash during certain scenes. Oh, um, I've gone through the movie and just paused it during each one. It is creepy. Have you found it? Yeah, it's, really it's in good. several. Oh yeah, it's in several spaces. Um, if you're looking for one, one that I remember in particular is Ellen Burstyn's character. Chris is walking through the kitchen, and it flashes briefly on the hood of the stove behind her. Oh. I'll show you after we're done. Actually. I'm just going to Google this shit now as I'm talking. Yeah. So, yeah, people just lost their shit in theaters over this. Um, my dad actually went to see it when it came out, and, like, he was scared by it. Mm-hmm. And he said that it was just so different than anything that people had seen before. Like, yeah. There are they revolutionized ru- Yeah. And there are rumors that people couldn't handle it to the point where they committed suicide over it. Yeah, that's insane. And, like, I've been terrorized by horror movies before i have never hit that point um, yeah but we're also born later so our standard for horror is what came after the Exorcist. it's true but when your standard imagine all the horror movies that came out pre-exorcist 
I mean, that's imagine that's your standard. I also think that baby boomers are kind of little bitches about that kind of stuff. Yeah, I love it. Um, They're also tend to be more religious, therefore that shit actually like scares the everyone. Actually, show. when I was in Catholic school as a child, um, two of my biggest fears were being possessed by a demon and the end of the world. Catholics for you. Yeah, no, they will put the literal fear of God in you. Yeah. Like, that was our big thing. Like, you know how sometimes in, like, grade school you talk about, like, well, I heard about this murder. Um, People would be like, well, I heard about this girl who got possessed and, like, all this weird shit happened. Like, it was... um, That's... Oh, that is so disturbing. I know. Um, something about those eyes. I know. (laughs) If you guys just look up Exorcist Demon and you'll... It's... It's crazy. It's super simple makeup, but it is so effective. Yeah. I don't know. I think that shot is crazy. Just the eyes are so, like, deep and empty. Oh, yeah. It's the shading around. Oh, God. Well done. Yeah, so there were suicides connected to the film because people couldn't handle it. And, like, like I said, like, my mind was blown after I saw Insidious, but, like, I didn't have that much trouble coping with it. No. The Shining, maybe, but that's yeah. that's a whole other yeah. thing. But, again, I mean, standards for horror. Yeah. Yeah, I'm... I'm pretty immune to horror films at this point. And like I said, like people think I'm afraid of everything, but I used to be super afraid of horror movies until I, this is going to sound so stupid because I know this movie is considered hella cheesy, but um, I watched Paranormal Activity. Oh no, that, no, that movie is amazing. It, it's, it's, a lot of people think it's cheesy, but um, someone had told me at school before I had watched it, they told me that it was um, real footage. And I believed it when they told me. And so when I was watching it, like, that was so terrifying. That, I found out later that's a lie. Well, no, but, that was, like, the Blair Witch effect. Like, everyone mm-hmm. thought that shit was real. Like, it is yeah. the modern Blair Witch. Yeah. No, Paranormal Activity is so good. It scared me so bad that nothing has scared me since. Yeah, um, I actually did I cried. I didn't get super scared until I watched, oh, what is it? The, the one that takes place in the past. Like, the third one? Uh, I don't remember. After that, they all kind of blurred. For some reason, the horror Technically, they're all kind of in the past. Well, yes, but this one specifically took place in, like, the 80s. With the same characters? Like, them as kids? Yes, that oh, one. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that's the third, because the second one is her sister. Yeah. Um, for some reason, like, movies set in the 70s and 80s, like, scare the shit out of me. That's why The Conjuring just really... Yeah. Woo! <laughs> so, what what's next? Give me a moment. Um, so, like, all that happened after the movie came out. Mm-hmm. Um, just people lost their minds over it because it was so revolutionary. It was like when Psycho came out, like people oh, could yeah. not handle it. Yeah. Uh, some of the film's post-production editing was done at 666 Fifth Avenue in New York. Um, this also contributed to the celluloid possessed by demons claim, which I get it. But before the film even started, there was a confirmed onset fire that destroyed half of the house that they were going to be shooting in. The only room that made it out completely fine was Reagan's room, like where all of the, the demon stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and William Friedkin, the director, blamed it on a winged creature with talons. Um, a pigeon had found its way into a fuse box and caused the electrical fire. So technically. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, pigeons are demons with wings. Yeah, but to, to say it in that way, I yeah. think it's very good press for the movie. Yeah, good, good work for him. Good job. Uh, both Ellen Burstyn and Linda Blair suffered back injuries on set due to stunt rigging. Um, Burstyn's actually made it into the film. Oh, where? So that in the scene where Reagan is, um, she has the crucifix and she's... Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that is the most disturbing scene I know, for it, me. And then she like... Yeah. Yeah. Um, she slaps uh, Ellen Burstyn's character and then Ellen Burstyn like flies against the wall. And that uh-huh. scream that she lets out when she hits the wall, she actually like bruised her coccyx. Yeah, it still bothers her to this day. Like, that's a genuine scream of pain. Oh my god. Um, and then Linda Blair, I can't remember what scene she was in, but her rigging went weird and she hurt herself. Like you do. Mm. Have we gotten to this part yet? Because no, I'm gonna save that for a second. Okay. Uh, because this is like the crown jewel. Like okay. it blew my mind. So there were some other people who died around the time of production. Other people. The people that died. Yeah. I haven't mentioned anyone yet. Includes, including Jack McGowan, uh, who played Burke Dennings, who was um, the, the drunk like film producer. Oh, yeah. Um, he died of complications from the flu. He was only like 54, but there was a big flu epidemic that was going through um, London where he lived at the time. Uh, so that might have contributed to it. I think you have to have a pretty weakened immune system for the flu itself to actually. Yeah. 
um, this is a Greek name, so Vasiliki Malaros, uh, who played Father Karras's mother, died probably from being 89 fucking years old in the 70s. Uh, she had no acting experience when she was cast. William Friedkin found her in a Greek restaurant and decided to cast her. Uh, both of those characters, Burke Dennings and Karis's mother, died in the film. Oh. There was that. And then um, uh, Jason Miller, who played Father Karis, the young priest, uh, his son was involved in a motorcycle accident during production and almost died. Jeez. And then Max von Sydow, Father Marin, the old priest, mm-hmm. um, his brother died near the start of his work on the film. Linda Blair's grandfather also died during production, and then there was Linda Blair's career who died as a result of production. <laughs> God. We're sorry, Linda. I'm sorry. You, you were a joy, and I love you. Yeah. I would cast you. I would, too. In everything. Mm-hmm. And then finally, in 1987, the son of Mercedes McCambridge, the voice of the demon, killed his wife and child and then himself. Oh, wow. That's not even the biggest thing. So, there. Voice of the Demon, Reagan, or the Linda Blair didn't do her own voice work for the demon. No. And that was what? that was a big thing. Linda Blair was up for an Oscar, and then people found out that she didn't do the actual voice, and they were like, she doesn't deserve this. She still deserved it. Yeah, she had to do all the acting. She I did mean, the acting. Expect, like, she, how old was she when she did She this? was like 11 or 12. Yeah, she's not going to do the demon voice. No, and she had the makeup on, and she, she, did, all of the... she did all of the stuff. Yeah. She... She earned it. You could watch that movie on mute and it's still fucking scary. Yeah. Which means that she did an effective job. So basically they just had some lady with a gravelly smoker's voice say curse words that they weren't going to make a 13-year-old, like 12, 13-year-old girl say. Yeah. I was going to say, it doesn't sound like her voice when she does like Not that. at all. Like it's, it's no. a totally different voice. Yeah. She she deserved the Oscar. Oh, yeah. She, like, they wanted to disqualify her, but she had already been nominated and I guess you can't take it back. Yeah. But... Um, they can make sure win. Yeah, so that that was a whole thing. Um, and after the movie was released, Linda Blair received so many death threats that they had to get her a security detail. People were writing in and threatening a small child because of a movie that she did. That's ridiculous. I know. Baby boomers and people from that era are like, oh, people today are too easily offended. Oh, really? Fucking really? If you were one of the people that wrote a letter to Linda Blair... Dying you are worse than the demon. Yeah. Fuck you. She's She was a little girl. Mm-hmm. Doing a great job. Yeah, she was doing what she was told. Oh. God, people are ridiculous. Are you guys ready for the... Is this the finale? Yeah, this is... Whew. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, I had no idea about this until a couple days ago. One of the extras in the scene where Reagan is having, like, scans done. That, that scene actually makes me more uncomfortable than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the extras in that scene turned out to be a real-life serial killer. Like what? a six-victim... Oh, my God. ...serial killer. How did he manage to get on set? Uh, he actually... He wasn't an actor. He was just someone who worked at that hospital. Oh. And the director liked the look of him enough to put him in the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a um, radiologist assistant mm-hmm. or something. And he was responsible for a series of murders in New York during 1977 and 1978. And they were they were focused on gay men who were into, like, the leather. Like BDSM. Yeah. And kink bondage. Scene. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm not going to say what, I can't say what they called him because it was the 70s and it was a bunch of like New York cops and it has a word that I don't like in it. Ah. Yeah. Written down. I don't. Ah. Uh, I was very offended by it. Ah. You'll have to tell me after. Yeah. So his name was Paul Bateson and he murdered and dismembered gay men, mm-hmm. including one famous drag queen, uh, whose name I can't remember. And one movie critic who, that was the one he actually got convicted for. Um, that was the only one they could tie him to, but everything else was, like, so similar similar that it was, like, yeah, it was probably this fucking guy. Mm-hmm. He is the creepiest looking guy. Like, dead eyes. Ugh. Dead eyes. <sighs> um, when William Friedkin actually found out what happened, like, he found out that he was in The Exorcist, he visited him. Ooh. After he was arrested, so yeah. he was in prison. Yeah. Um, glass. Interviewed him, bought the rights to the book that was being written about him, and then made a movie starring Al Pacino oh my God. that was apparently 
awful. What was it called? It's a good question. We're going to find out. Um, but Al Pacino plays... Didn't you get Al Pacino mixed up with someone the other day? Yeah. Um, uh, oh, Al Capone. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing. Same thing. Same person. Um, Al Pacino plays an undercover cop trying to get to the bottom of murders that were like the Paul Bateson murders. So we're going to look up Al Pacino. This is live. We are live researching. Right in front of you. This it's is... not really technically live because these get released like a week or two after we record. So It's live for us. It, that it is. This is magic. This is podcast magic. This uh. is, yeah, if you guys want to know what we do before we actually podcast, it's basically this. It's magic. So this movie would have come out in like the 80s, 70s. It's called, oh God, please tell me it's this one. Cruising. It's called Cruising. Oh gosh. God damn. Um, synopsis, a police detective goes undercover in the underground S&M gay subculture of New York City to catch a serial killer who is preying on gay men. Jesus. <laughs> yep. And, yeah, so real ser- serial killer on set. All that weird stuff that's happened afterwards. Like, almost at all of the main actors in that film had someone that they loved die or almost die. Ellen Burstyn managed to get out of that one fine. Jeez. But she did get injured. So. She did get injured. Badly. Like I said, yeah. it's still... So bothers her. Um, Jason Miller died. But he died, like, a while after, and it wasn't in a weird way. Mm-hmm. It's like a heart disease or something. Yeah. Uh, Max von Sydow is still alive. Still he's in his 80s. He was just in the new Star Wars movie. Yeah, he's, he's still kicking. Yeah, good for him. Um, fuck, that's the episode. That's, that's what we have for you. Um, for now, at least. We will be back in two weeks. Yeah, see you guys soon. So if you guys want to keep talking about this or if you have something else to say, you can always find us on Twitter and Instagram at Afternoonified and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash GetAfternoonified. There's also a website if you want to listen to past episodes, send us an email, donate, or find out where to stalk us on our own personal social media. You can go to www.getafternoonified.com. We're assuming you're listening to this on iTunes, but we are also on Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere you listen to podcasts, we are. So remember to subscribe, rate, leave us a review. We love, we love reviews. We love everything. We love, yeah, we we want you guys to talk to us. Give us your money and words. That's what we want. (laughs) Your money and your words. Uh, That sounds like it would be a really good, like, like, ballad. Yeah. Give me your money and your words. Like the video, like the music video takes place on a beach and like... Mm -hmm. Someone with long flowing hair is playing the piano. Yeah. Like as the waves crash. Oh, thought that'd be beautiful. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we will see you guys next time. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.